Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Berlanski, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And since the last time we convened on Tuesday, Horwat, the Pens have won two games. And can you believe it? They've scored four, not one, not two, not three, but four power play goals since our last episode, we're definitely going to have to get into that. We have a lot to get into, actually. Cindy Crosby had a special night last night in Montreal. Him and Jake Gensel have been absolute gangbusters for the Pittsburgh Penguins as of late. we got to talk a little bit about World Juniors because that's coming up, and a couple of Penguins prospects will actually participate this year. That's the first time in a long time. And then there's been some rumblings that the Pittsburgh Penguins and Kyle Dubas specifically are looking for some reinforcements on the trade market. I have three potential trade targets to go through and we'll get Horwat's reaction and we'll get your reaction, you loyal listeners in the comments section. But Horwat, before we get into that, last night, 4-3, to three, shootout win. What are your thoughts on that shootout? Because I think that's the most entertained I have been by a shootout in a long time. Both of us are anti-shootout. We want more of the three-on-three overtime. But last night, last night is is what it was meant to be for the most part. It was. It's it's why the NHL adopted it in the first place. It was in part at least why they adopted it in the first place. You want their, you want the stars to, you know excel and show their skills now there wasn't a whole lot of that still no. um but when it goes on past round three the, the the intensity kind of goes up a little the the ears perk up you get a little more oh we're we're going deep well let's see who we're throwing over the boards at, at, after a while you kind of want just the goalies to keep making saves because you want to see unfamiliar faces on breakaways or on shootouts like you're not going to see uh defensemen take too many breakaways you're not going to see these depth forwards take too many breakaways so suddenly you're thinking oh we're about round seven round eight we're kind of getting down there let's see uh let's see that depth defenseman get take get a shot in you know, let's see that fourth fourth line center get a shot in that's kind of the entertaining part of the long shootouts at least for the hardcore hockey fans again if it's not a big name flying over the boards uh it's you know for the casual fan maybe it's not as fun mm-hmm and again, like I said, they're not pulling out their skill, but it's still, it, it's it's one of those things. It's not next school wins, but it is. Let's uh, the ears perk up a little, you know. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like that it's not like the Olympics in that you can keep reusing names mm-hmm. after third round. I think that I just think that's a bit. I don't know. I just don't like that as much. I like the idea of using your using your lineup. That's why you have it there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me. This this shootout ran deep, and while it is still absolutely abolished the shootout, sometimes it does still have the, have its moments mm-hmm. uh, for sure. 
Yeah, longest shootout in Pittsburgh Penguins history, 12 rounds, ended by Jansen Harkins of all players. You, you talked about unlikely names, unlikely heroes. Jansen mm -hmm. Harkins was that for the Penguins last night. I was waiting... I was waiting for P.O. Joseph to get tossed over the boards. I mean, the Quebec native, I thought maybe, maybe he goes out there. He has some skill. You know, I've never seen him on a breakaway, but, you know, you that's that's the purpose, like you mentioned. Yeah. But there was not many cooler people in that building than Troy Crosby sitting up at the top, drinking some red wine, swishing it around <laughs> after every Alex Nadelkovich save, saying, okay, let's end it now. And I was like, wow, he's just up there drinking some red, cool, calm, and collected, watching his son be amazing and now leaving it into the hands of the depth of the team. Uh, I loved loved seeing Troy Crosby and all of the dads on this dad's trip in, in the crowd there. Their reactions were priceless. And obviously, uh, Michelle Crecciolo of Penn's Inside Scoop said, Jansen Harkins and Alex Nadelkovich's dad were sitting side by side the entire night. How fitting that those two combined to get the victory for the Penguins. Yeah, it's perfect stuff. And the, so far, I think we can all say this year's dad trip went much better than last year's, considering yes. no one got traded this time. Yes. So uh, far. They, hey, listen, so far, they got another game, and that's in three days or two days. So let's let's pump the brakes on nobody got traded, because that that's a yet still. <laughs> You're right, but uh, still, it is at least a step in the right direction. They decided not to do this dad's trip right next to the, At the trade deadline. Trade deadline. <laughs> Um, so already better planning and better decision making this time around. So uh, seems to be going swimmingly. And yeah, those are the stories that you made that, you know, we all love seeing is the stuff that um, the personal side of these players, it's awesome to see and uh, that good stuff all around. Yeah, always a special time whenever the dad's trip and the mom's trip happens for the Pittsburgh Penguins and around the National Hockey League. But it was a special night in general for the captain, Sidney Crosby. Always a show when Crosby goes back to Montreal playing his childhood team. Last night was no different. He scored three points against them, two goals, one assist, his sixth multi-point performance of the season, but we all know why last night was significant. A little little piece of history as he moves up the NHL's all-time points leaderboard, passes former Pittsburgh Penguin Paul Coffey for 14th all-time early in the game, then ties former teammate Mark Recchi for 13th all-time with 1,533 points. His next point will put him in sole possession of 13th all-time. Does it in, in front of his father, which, again, that's, that's a special moment in his childhood favorite, you know, his favorite childhood team's arena, the historic Bell Center. He passes two all-time Penguins legends. Uh, very historic night, very important night for Sidney Crosby, the captain who has been lights out all season long. Mark Reich, he also played a pretty long time with the Canadians, so... The connections continue to pile up. Um, yeah, he's going to be, for the next couple of weeks, I'd say, he's going to keep passing names because there's it's a bit of a log jam in this part of the uh, all-times points list, and he's just flying right up. Not too long ago, he passed whoever it was to reach number 14. Uh, so this is going to be a quick climb for a little bit, and then, I mean, who knows where he lands at the end of his career, and that's a big, long future talk. Uh, but... You know, for now, he's playing at the top of his game, still at the age of 36, and just crushing numbers, I think. Man, that, that MVP talk can get really real real quick. It can. It can. I mean, right now, it's not, as as we're going to talk about it. He's right now tied for 17th on the latest odds that I saw that went beyond the top 10. Tied for 17th right now. And part of that is, 
you know, where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at in the standings. A lot of people are going to overlook him. A lot of people aren't going to really give him a lot of credit, especially when there's a lot of good, talented players. I mean, look no further than most of the Vancouver Canucks core right now. They're, they're playing gangbusters, so they deserve some credit as well. But I think Sidney Crosby is going to climb that leaderboard as the Pittsburgh Penguins continue to climb the standings if they continue to win. But, you know, when it comes to the all-time points race, I've said it multiple times, those who know, know the listeners that have been with us for more than this season, that I set out I set out paces for him to do it in six years, starting last year, so five years, including this year. 90 points is what he needs to be on to get to that pace this year. He's on pace for that 90 points at this point, on pace for 50 goals to this point. So uh, certainly, certainly well on his way to getting at least back into the top 10, or not back, but into the top 10 by the end of this season, which would be uh, certainly a sight to see for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for Sidney Crosby. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, pace to set for set for this season. Again, he's got a few more years to hit. Um, and that pace for 50 goals is nuts. That really is. He's not even leading the team of points, which I think is just hilarious, but... Um, he's having a year that I don't, again, you never know what kind of gear you're going to get from a 36 year old. Um, granted it's Sidney Crosby. So maybe you had a higher expectations, uh, of what a 36 year old can bring, but I think he's exceeding them, exceeding all of what was expected. Like he always has, um, just have, enjoy watching it. Everyone get your popcorn out, buy some tickets and just enjoy this because whether or not the team wins, you know you're getting a show from Crosby because he is trying his darndest. Yeah, he's trying to will the team in, in any way, shape, or form that he can. It's not all the same way. He's doing a bunch of different stuff to try to get the Pittsburgh Penguins over the hump. Part of that is face-offs. Like, uh, the, you know... Colby Armstrong and Josh Getzoff absolutely love to bring up face-off percentages, and Sidney Crosby's one of the best in the National Hockey League. Takes some of the most amount of face-offs in the National Hockey League as well, so it's not like it's even a small sample size. Uh, Sid's just been great, but as you mentioned... He's not even leading the Pittsburgh Penguins in points. Mm-hmm. That honor currently is bestowed upon one Jake Gensel. And those two have been a phenomenal one-two punch for the Pittsburgh Penguins all season long. You look at since Thanksgiving, which is a 10-game sample size. Sidney Crosby, not a point per game, but he has nine points in those 10 games, five goals, four assists. Jake Gensel has 11 points in those 10 games, six goals and five assists. And as we mentioned, why they're so important for the Pittsburgh Penguins, when Crosby scores a point in that time, in those 10 games, the Penguins are four, two, and one. Just when he scores a singular point, when he doesn't score a point, which has only happened three of the last 10, zero, one, and two. So clearly, these two are the heartbeat of the team. They feed off of each other. I don't want to hear Gensel's good because he plays with Crosby because it's not the case. Because at the end of the day, if anybody should see that, it's Penguins fans because mm-hmm. look at doesn't matter who you're playing with, the finishing has been an issue. Jake Ensel's finding is finishing seven goals in the last ten games, and these two just in general all season long have been dominant. Yeah, heading into um that game against the Arizona Coyotes, Money Puck put something out that Jake Gensel was among the quote unquote unluckiest players in the league, right? In terms of goal scoring based on talent. Uh, which, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. He's he, He's been having more of a playmaking season so far. Um, but ever since that game, I mean, then he scored, ever since they tweeted that, he scored twice in, or twice against Arizona and then picked up another goal in Montreal. You you think he's doing pretty okay on turning his luck around, right? It's He's finding that skill, he's finding that rhythm, and we do all have to remember he didn't have a, uh, he didn't have a preseason. He didn't really have a training camp, per se. He came right in day one of the regular season um, 
and that's where it all started. Mm-hmm. He didn't have that run-up. So the fact that we are 28 games into the season, and he, I, we would assume he's fully healthy by now, but again, you never know just because he's been playing. He hasn't he hasn't missed a game yet. Um, even if he is still hampered with something or even if it was a slow start, he's leading the team in points, and he's been among the – I mean, that first week when Malkin went off, Jake Gensel was right there with him um, with about as many assists. So – uh, Jake's been doing this since the beginning of the year, since the puck drop of the season. So this is a great pace for him to be at. And, hey, unlucky or not, he's building on it. He's adding to it. And if for what it's worth, Ricard Raquel is also pretty high on that list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which, Ricard yeah, Raquel, he really has been unlucky this year. He has been. I mean, not to mention the fact that he's injured right now and has been mm-hmm. injured for the past three weeks. So luck is not following Ricard Raquel. You hope that he plays per- better when he comes back. But for, for Jake Gensel specifically... I'm going to let you take a guess here. Penguins have played what? You said 28 games? Yeah. How many of those games has Jake Gensel been held off the score sheet? It's not many. It's not many. And I think I just looked at this too because I can remember uh, there was that run that Crosby went on for a while where he was only held off for a single game. Mm -hmm. I bet Gensel's been held off for three because I think I just looked at this and I forget the number. That's close. He's been held off the score sheet five times out of the 28 games this season. Absolutely ridiculous stuff from Jake Gensel, who has over 30 points, over a point per game. So does Sidney Crosby. I mean, these two have been the heartbeat of this team. I I mentioned it already, but it's true. Like, if these two aren't performing, where would this team be? And the answer would be in the basement of the Eastern Conference, probably the basement of the National Hockey League. These two have been so good, especially at five-on-five. I mean, you look at Jake Gensel's currently one point behind, I believe, Nathan McKinnon for first place in the NHL in five-on-five points. Sidney Crosby is tied for fourth in even strength points right now. These two have been absolutely phenomenal this season, and their chemistry is something that is rare in the National Hockey League, I would say, especially to a level that they play at right now, which is not, let's just beat you with with blinding speed and immense talent. It's a lot of hardworking points that these two get. It is. It is. It's all those five-on-five points. They have with the power play struggling the way it has been, um, at least before Arizona, yeah, they had no choice but to collect those five on five points. They had no choice but to make sure they were scoring on five on five to con- to keep the Penguins in games and help them win what they did. I mean, it sure the power play was costing them countless wins, but the fact that you know they had Sidney Crosby, Jake Ensel to kind of rely on at that five on five at even strength. Um, it gave them a chance no matter the situation and they're winning them the hard they were winning games the hard way those two are putting up points the hard way with um unreal numbers and that's that's why they were for a long time you know one and two on that list that you mm-hmm. just mentioned there i didn't realize that they had fallen that far actually yeah, they were one and two for a long time. Nathan McKinnon has been also very, very good at even strength. So he currently is in first place. But you look at Sidney Crosby, he's nowhere near the top of the hard odds. We alluded to it a little bit earlier. Yeah. It's something that, you know, if you're a betting man and you think the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to make the postseason, if they make the postseason, he should win the Hart Trophy. At the pace that he's currently at with the team that's currently around him, now you expect and hope, as we'll talk about a little bit later, that Kyle Dubas gets him a little bit more help, some of the health coming back, you know, Ricard Raquel getting back in the lineup. You would assume at some point Brian Russ comes back into the lineup, even though there's a lot, you know, to be determined on his injury. But you assume that he gets some players back. You assume that the team improves as the season goes on, or at least the team gets some more help as the season goes on. But the way that he has been just leading this team to this point, it's uh, 
it's kind of ridiculous that he is as low as he is. And like I mentioned, the latest odds I could find on BetMGM were Crosby at plus 8,000 tied for 17th with Winnipeg Jets' Kyle Connor. So, you know, if you, you want to lay a futures bet, plus 8,000 is pretty good odds to put your numbers on one of the top five players in the history of hockey who's having an absolutely ridiculous season. Yeah, because that what what I feel like those <clears throat> betting places, those sources don't take into account is the fact that it is human beings watching this watching this sport voting on these players. Um, Josh Yowie, I think it was at the beginning of the year, before the year started, um, mentioned that you no, know, those voters love a good story. Hockey writers love a good story, love a good narrative, um, and the narrative of a thirty-six-year-old Sidney Crosby. Before, like I said, before the season started, willing the Penguins back back into the playoffs mm-hmm. um, is you know all the reason these voters need to have a good narrative. Now you add on that they were terrible to start the year, and even through being not great, Sidney Crosby was right up there with some of the best. Um, they, that's just more reason. So if you, I think that's a not that we're a betting show, but that's a really good quality bet right there yeah. with good those value. kind of numbers. That's a great value. Yeah, it's. The the odds may legitimately be long, even at the end of the year. You know, mm-hmm. Connor McDavid. Ever since that coaching change, Connor McDavid has been lighting the world on fire. Yes. So that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. But, I mean, entering the league. I mean, how many M- MVPs does Sidney Crosby have? Two. I two or think three. He has two. But entering the league, you'd have figured he'd have more at this point, right? Again, these are humans voting here. This isn't robots. Maybe these. These voters think to themselves, well, he deserves another for yeah, his career's work. He's a two-time Hart Trophy winner. So, yeah, twice. He keeps up this pace, and he gets this team back into the playoffs. Oh, yeah. I, he'd have my vote. He'd have my vote in a heartbeat. Yeah, you, you mentioned Josh Yoey. He's been championing this Sidney Crosby, you know, for MVP thing for the last little while. Rob Rossi, his colleague yep. at The Athletic, is doing the same exact thing. And when you look at the numbers in the NHL ranks, considering the fact, and we'll, I'll mention the even strength points once again, considering the fact the Penguins' power play has not just been bad, but it has been dormant. They they went 0 for 37. They they didn't score a power play goal in over a month, and he's still where he's at is ridiculous. He's tied for the fourth in the entire National Hockey League in goals, which has historically not been a, a stat that he leads yeah. the league in or is near the top of the league in. Like we mentioned, he's on pace to score 50 goals this season. That would be the first time in a very long time that Sidney Crosby's reached the 50-goal mark. I believe he's only done it once before in his career, but he's tied for first in even strength goals right now so getting it done at five on five tied for 23rd in points which yes might be why he he's down at 17th in the odds because i don't think odds makers really pay attention to the sport of hockey but he's tied for fourth in even strength goals like guys he he's absolutely ridiculous so Sidney crosby continuing to impress continuing to be a guy that should be on heart ballots by the end of the season especially if the pittsburgh penguins can get back up higher in the standings which they're two points behind i think three or four teams right now So a a couple more good games, a string of three or four wins in a row here could get them back up into a playoff spot by the, by the time Christmas rolls around. Yeah. Not, not having games for the next two days isn't helpful. Um, But if I am, if if my site wants to load, if I was remember, if I'm remembering the standings correctly, they're a win out there. Two points back of 31 points, which is where, so they're at 29. Um, 
needing just one more win would put them at 31, tied for or in a wild card spot. Yeah. And the Metro is extremely tight. That was one of the first things Kyle Dubas said when he started speaking to the media the other day was you know, that, yeah, the Penguins are we're here having this discussion. You know, this We're here to discuss how not great the Penguins have been so far. He did not at the Rangers and someone else in the Flyers for having good seasons so far. Uh, but then looked at the, then mentioned almost by name, the Devils, Hurricanes, and Islanders as having not great seasons and then having similar conversations. Um, so that if, if there's any reason to still have hope, it's that the Penguins at 29 points are only a handful of points behind the Flyers and Islanders who are 3-2, and two, not even in the wild card, 3-2 and two in the Metro. Yeah. So, yeah, you can look at it as at one point in the very near history, um, the Penguins were closer to the basement of the East than they were in the playoffs. But again, the East and the Metro are both so tight and so extremely, I don't want to say volatile, but... There's a lot of pretty, parody. There's a lot of parody. There's a lot of a lot of uh, midness going on, but it's also really good. It's all... It, these teams look mid, but they're also really good. So it's it's hard to really describe, but the Penguins are right there. It yep. didn't help. It didn't help surrendering a pity point to the Canadians, who you know, both teams entered that game with 27 standings points. But walking out on top at least helps with the Metro rankings, and yep. um, they're getting there. A couple more wins here and there, a couple of losses from the right teams. That's next thing you know. <clears throat> We could be sitting here having the discussion of Penguins are number two in the Metro, as yeah. if, as if the first week in December never happened. Yeah. So obviously, right now it's it's all about the Pittsburgh Penguins collecting wins, and you look at who's coming up on the schedule. Those wins will do a lot of the legwork for them. Toronto's ahead of them in the standings. Carolina's coming up in the schedule. They're ahead of them in the standings. Minnesota's played some better hockey as of late. They're coming up next week in a home game. So, and then you have two games against the Islanders late in this month of December. So you got a lot of games against teams that are right in the thick of it with you. So a very important schedule for the Pittsburgh Penguins for them at this point of the season. It's all about you know keeping a focus on themselves and making sure that they win the next game ahead of them. And and right now they're stacking or they need to stack victories because, you know, you can't continue to lose points and fall behind that pack because that pack can get away from you really quickly. But we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's look outside of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the organization, outside of the team as it currently stands. couple players head into World Juniors or at least expected to head to World Juniors in a couple of weeks. First time in a while that that's happened. We'll talk about that. And the power play coming to life right after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. For what usually World Juniors comes around, and both of us enjoy watching World Juniors. It's one of the most electrifying hockey tournaments of the year, electrifying hockey that you watch all year long, maybe outside of the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. But normally... There's no Penguins flavor in there. There's no sprinkling of seasoning. There's no depth player on Team Latvia usually. But this year, this year the Penguins could have as many as three representatives at the World Junior Tournament. 
first and foremost, number one first pick of the draft for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year. Braden Yeager has officially made Team Canada. Yeager has had a tremendous season with the Moose Jaw Warriors of the WHL. A lot of Penguins fans excited about his eventual arrival in Pittsburgh. They'll get to watch him on a big stage for Team Canada at the World Juniors. But not only that, Team Finland has released its preliminary roster as of right now, and Emil Pieniemi and Kali Kangas both make the preliminary roster for Team Finland, all three of those players from this year's draft. So a shout-out to, I mean, how much does he get for credit-wise? It was technically Kyle Dubas's draft, but three players from Kyle Dubas's first draft in Pittsburgh making it to World Juniors, something that hasn't happened in a pretty long time, there, there's not been a lot of Penguins representatives at the World Juniors in recent years. So three players from this year's draft going, that's a good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins, at least early on from this year's draft. Yeah, it, it's hard to nail down the last time the Penguins had a player at World Juniors. I think Sam Poulin was on... He was on preliminary rosters. He never yeah. made it to the actual World Juniors roster. I didn't think so. I think he was the first one I could think of. Um, I mean, outside of that... Because the Penguins have had a thin prospect pool for so long that even some of their top prospects just weren't at this level or they were too old because this is 20 and under. Yeah. Yeah, it's 20 and under. Uh, it's Or they just weren't maybe old enough. I mean, I know uh, Jaeger's 18, but maybe they just weren't at that level yet. They've just kind of missed the boat. The Penguins haven't had very many prospects that line up with this tournament perfectly i mean i think crosby was no he wasn't he was playing in the nhl don't even don't don't even let me continue my sentence <laughs> um unless he played before he was drafted but again not a penguin pick at that point so mm-hmm. i can't think of anyone else that i know, may have I, it's I, just not coming to me i have the most recent one and he didn't really play all that much but yoel blongfist played for finland yeah. in 2021 but skater wise uh, that goes back a little further. But I did remember while you were speaking, I was like, oh, yeah, Blomqvist did go the one year. He didn't really play all that much. Yeah. He was the backup for Team Finland. But I remember he qualified, so we have to give yeah. him his flowers for that. That counts. And that absolutely counts. And I forgot about that one, too. But, yeah, it's hard to really nail down Penguins prospects that have been uh, a part of this tournament. So the fact that we could watch three there, that's awesome to see. And... I'm just trying to think of any other. I mean, Owen Pickering was was maybe going to be a part of it. I think that yeah. he was on some early predictions, but um, wasn't invited. So be it. It happens. Uh, yeah, it'll be finally something uh, for Penguins fans to watch on Boxing Day and the week after. I forget how long that tournament is. It's usually like a week and a half, a week and yeah. two weeks maybe, but... You know, at the end of the day, maybe we'll see Braden Yeager play with the you know projected first overall pick Macklin Celebrini. You know, that'd be a that'd be a fun combination to watch yeah. to see what Yeager looks like next to the you know expected number one overall pick next season, the the future San Jose Shark. Um, but regardless, at the end of the day, you know, a kudos goes out to the Penguins, you know, scouting staff, and a kudos goes out to to Kyle Dubas for putting together a, a draft that has produced a handful of players that get to go to the biggest tournament in junior hockey. But let's move things over and talk a little bit about the NHL squad because we got to talk about it, Horowat. We've we've bashed on them for over a calendar month, zero for 37 through 13 games, and then four, four power play goals for the Penguins in the past 
two games, two for five against the Arizona Coyotes, including a Carter game-winning goal, and then two for three last night against the Montreal Canadiens that brought them back from 3-1 to one to tied 3-3, not only scoring power play goals, but scoring power play goals that are meaningful and in meaningful moments. Good sign for the Pittsburgh Penguins moving forward. It's hilarious, by the way. Not only... Did the Penguins go from oh and I get the number confused. I see thirty six. I see thirty seven. Who cares? They they the Penguins went from not scoring a power play goal in over a month to having one five on five goal in the last two games, yeah. and winning both those games. Uh, that's the nutty part of it. I think is that all of a sudden, like a light switch went off. They found success on the special teams, yeesh on the penalty kill, but. <laughs> Uh, found success with the man advantage, which is at what it, what has the consensus kind of been the last couple of weeks is that this power play is the reason why they're losing. This power play could turn the se- a couple of power play goals here and there could turn the season around. Eric Carlson said, if cause, you know he was thinking about the uh, percentages, I think they were about ten percent at the time that he said this. If it was up five points, up to fifteen. You know, it's still not league average, but it is enough to, you know, kick the rocks a little bit and get things going and give them a couple more points and a couple more wins. Mm-hmm. Then next thing you know, they're in a playoff spot. Nolachari told me that um, this was a couple weeks before this. This was a couple weeks ago before he got injured even. Uh, that you can see it in them. They're a goal away from lighting the world on fire. They got that one early against it in the first attempt against Arizona it was. It was in the opening couple minutes um I can remember just laughing in the press box with uh <laughs> Vince Camino sitting next to me we just started dying uh but then it everything kind of started rolling after that all of a sudden they're not gripping their sticks as tight I'm not saying what Nolachari said is exactly true mm-hmm. but so far it seems it he said they're a goal away you can see it and they're when they get it it's going to explode I also find that exact quote again mm-hmm. Uh, but so far, so good. That's exactly what's happened. Yeah, four for eight in the past two games, which is 50%, which is ridiculous at a clip for the Pittsburgh Penguins power play. Even, you know, I don't know if this was the same exact media availability, but Eric Carlson said after the one game, he said, we went 0 for 5. If we score one of those goals and go 1 for 5, that's 20%. That's league average penalty or power play right now. It's it's all We don't need to start scoring three, four goals a game. They just need to start scoring one you know, getting that goal, making sure that there's momentum to be built off of. And that's what they did on Tuesday. And they continued to carry that momentum through Wednesday night's game. And it's something that you mentioned, the penalty kill, even the penalty kill that is struggling right now a little bit. I mean, they're missing what? Nolachari, because you just mentioned he's injured, obviously. Matt Nieto, who a lot of people are saying he's worth nothing. He's a good penalty killer and that's worth something. And Brian Rust, they're missing three penalty-killing forwards. And yes, they have a good handful of them that are out there. I think Jonathan Gruden has been all right since stepping up. I I think Mark Johnstone did fine last Friday night in his one minute of penalty-kill time. But you're missing three guys. And then you also see that, while yes, they've given up goals. They gave up two against Arizona. They gave up another one against Montreal. They stepped up when it mattered the most. They didn't give up a single shot on goal in that late third-period power play for Montreal. Three minutes on the clock, they take a penalty, not a single shot on goal, and a great job by the Pittsburgh Penguins penalty kill. In overtime, a four-on-three, that is an impossible situation. Yes, Alex Nedeljkovic made a crap ton of saves in that instance, and he was great. And sometimes your best penalty killer has to be your goaltender, and the adage is old as time. But at the same time, look at the way that he was able to see those pucks. Nobody was in front of him. 
Ryan Graves I saw on multiple occasions, and people are not going to like me for this because people like to bash on Ryan Graves. Multiple occasions he cleared the net front out and made sure that Alex Nedeljkovic saw that puck cleanly, and he swallowed it up and it was harmless. Why? Because a good job in the net front by Graves. We've seen a lot of good play from Chris Letang in the penalty kill. That unit has stepped up when it matters most, even at their their, their times where they're struggling, which is right now. So a good job by the penalty kill there. I think Mike Bellucci's done a heck of a job with that unit, but, you know, the power play is uh, is the reason for the season right now, and, and they've looked good over the last two games. What have you noticed that's different about this unit in the last two games, if anything, than when they were on their 0-37 for 37 streak? I don't know if there's too much that I've noticed. Again, like I said, whenever it was struggling, I'm not going to be the guy that can tell you the schemes and what exactly is changing and what's not. Um, I can tell you some of the words that these players have said, though. Jeff Carter said after his two-goal game that, um, well, he used a curse word here, so I'm going to try and do what I can here. Uh, it said quite simply, they're shooting the puck more, they're simplifying it, and he thinks that was a big reason for it. He said sometimes if you just throw it into the stuff, um, good things will happen. Uh, and if for his power play goal specifically, it's exactly kind of what it was, just firing it on net. Jeff Carter, big body in front, was able to get a stick on it and deflect it in. It's a, it, at least from what I'm seeing, that's what they're doing a little bit more. So they're just shooting it. They're just taking the opportunity to fire away. I mean, if you really consider, yeah, it's annoying when the crowd yells at them to just shoot the puck, but they weren't doing it. So the crowd, you know, kind of had a reason to to have those uh, thoughts. If I mean, maybe I'm not remembering correctly. They didn't do that much against Arizona. Mm-hmm. So clearly, the Penguins were shooting it. <laughs> It just by going off of crowd noise and uh, post game quotes, they were just simplifying things. They were just shooting it more. Mike Sullivan always says, even if a shot doesn't go in or doesn't even reach the net, it is forcing the opposition to make different decisions, to maybe make a wrong decision, to change the momentum of what's going on on the ice. So, I would say the only thing that I'm noticing is different is they're just firing it more. They're just letting it go from. Short from long, just getting pucks on net. The one big change has been Valtteri Pustinen. No, I'm just that kidding. Too. I mean, he, he, he has gone on the first power play unit, and I think yep. he's played well on the first power play unit, but that's not the big change that has happened. Valtteri Pustinen obviously is part of that change, but in all seriousness, both Gensel goals were fed from below the net. What has been the biggest gripe about this power play? They try too much at the top. They're floating around the top. They're they're stagnant at the top of the zone. It's easy to read. Both of Gensel's goals over the past two games on the power play have been fed from Sidney Crosby below the goal line. And the other two goals are redirections. Now, one hit off of, I believe it was Mike Matheson of the yep. Montreal Canadiens, but two redirection goals. The other one, the game winner, was Jeff Carter in front of the net. Redirection, gets the deflection, gets the goal past Connor Ingram. So... I think one of the biggest note things I've noticed, and this might not be that they changed the system, this might just be that they're executing the system better, they're playing a lot less up top. And when they are up top, they're moving a lot more. They're activating a lot quicker instead of passing it between the left flank to the quarterback, quarterback to the right flank, back to the quarterback. They did a lot of that when they were struggling to get anything going. I think the prime example was the first goal, the goal that actually broke the streak. Malkin goes to the point, Carlson, instead of accepting the puck and then dusting it off, he takes a one-timer. Doesn't happen very often, but he takes a one-timer. Now, the one-timer is saved by Connor Ingram, but then you look at what happens after that, and that's where I think the improvements have been made. Crosby gets the puck dribble. He drives low, gets it to Pustinen, who fills the hole on the left flank. Pustinen takes the pass from Crosby, and where does he go? Back to the point. So it's not taking it completely out of the game, 
There is a point of that. But when he goes to the point, Carlson immediately gets back to him. It's a give and go. And the second it puck gets back on Pustin's stick, he drives down towards the goal line. Crosby's below the goal. He gives it down to Crosby below, and that opens up the middle of the ice. Why? Because you're using the entire zone, front to back. Opens up the middle of the ice, Jake Gensel's right there in a soft spot, and he's able to put the puck in the back of the net because he's talented, because he has a good shot, because he was given an opportunity in a high-danger scoring area. I think that is a prime example of what this power play has done better over the last two games. They're moving the puck more, they're taking it off of the point, and they're shooting when they have the lanes. Eric Carlson had a lane there. He took the shot, it got in on Connor Ingram, they retrieved the puck, and they continued to cycle. And that was even on one half. After that shot was on net, it was three players that touched Mm -hmm. the puck before Gensel. And all in a quick succession. So I implore you to go back and look at that power play if you're listening to this. That's what it's supposed to be at its best. They were able to execute on that one, and they've executed three more times since it happened. So... We're seeing a positive regression in the mean, and it's a great thing for the Pittsburgh Penguins on the power play. Yeah, it's it's just what they needed to find. They just needed to find a couple of goals, gain the confidence, gain the momentum in themselves. Put it this way, the, if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, the season, it hit a season low of 9.48 yeah. percentage. 31st in the, it was, it was the same exact as the St. Louis Blues at the time. So if you want to say 31st or 30th in the league, be my guest. The fact that the Capitals are still dead last is wild, by the way. Yeah. Speaking of unlucky goal scorers, Alex Ovechkin. Uh, but the Penguins' power play season low hit 9.48. In just two games since, they've already gone up to 13.41. Still pretty low, only 27th, mm-hmm. but it's getting there. League average is 20 right now. Yeah. So you got a few more points to go still, but it's it wouldn't take too long. I mean, again, they're still one of the least penalized against teams in the league, mm-hmm. get a couple of those notched up. I mean, maybe you get more chances. Maybe you find the back of the net a little more. It's um, That progress is being made. Uh, well, they're getting penalized a little bit more against. 27th in the league as well. Yeah, Still, eight in the last two games will do that. Yeah, that will. <laughs> but they're getting there. They're getting there. It's like I'll keep going back to what Nolachari said. He said they just need one. They just need one. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, they got the one. They've gotten three cents. So, I mean, again, that Arizona game was wild in terms of yeah. all every single goal not being at five on five. So it's well that and Francois Saint Laurent was trying to get MVP votes himself. Oh, that the first amount period of calls. Was, that first period was stupid. Um, but yeah, it's everything's been looking up ever since. So mm-hmm. they can ride this momentum. They're gonna have tough competition against Toronto on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, Minnesota's a bit in shambles at the moment, but off the ice-wise, we'll see how things go. I think um, if Nolachari's words hold true, this is all they need. That that one game was all they needed. Yeah, we'll see if they can build on it. And like you mentioned, got down to 9.48. So what did they do in response? They put 4.8 on the power play. That's Valtteri Pustinen. Since then, 50% success rate, all I'm saying. All I'm saying, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Kyle Dubas apparently looking for reinforcements. I have three names that could be fitting that bill coming up later in the season. So we'll talk about that after the break. (music) 
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. A feel-good Thursday for the Pittsburgh Penguins after back-to-back wins. Obviously, a big one last night over the Montreal Canadiens, who they're in a dogfight with for positioning in the Eastern Conference wildcard race. It's December. A lot of scoreboard watching coming over the last couple of weeks because of where the Penguins have fallen to at that point. So I'm sure there's a lot of scoreboard watching still, but a lot of games to go here, Horwat. Over 50 games left on the schedule for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Plenty of time, but you got to make sure that you're taking advantage of that time. We'll see if the Penguins can continue to do that on Saturday for Hockey Night in Canada against the Toronto Maple Leafs. But interesting report coming out yesterday from David Pagnota of the fourth period saying Kyle Dubas looking for trade options to bolster both the bottom six and the third pairing. Now that report, while being the most captain obvious thing that David Pagnota could have absolutely said, it's not surprising in the least. It's something that does spark a little bit more conversation as to who is currently on the market and who could fit the Pittsburgh Penguins needs. Now, there is a quick reminder here. The Penguins and the entire NHL go into a holiday roster freeze from December 19th to December 28th. So if a move is going to happen before pretty much the end of the calendar year, it's going to have to happen in the next couple of days. But if not, you might see something happen at the turn of the calendar, December 29th, maybe New Year's Eve, maybe New Year's Day, who knows. But there is a roster freeze, so there's going to be a little bit of a, a quiet down when it comes to trade talks around the entire NHL. I have three names here, Horwat. We're going to go through them. I want you to rank them after we're done, but let's go one by one. The first one that I looked at is from San Jose. You know, Kyle Dubas making a trade with San Jose earlier in the year. Obviously, a couple people know the player that came back in, in exchange for that one. But San Jose has another player that intrigues me a little bit. Bleacher Report trade targets has Anthony Duclair as a potential trade target Not just for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but in the entirety of the NHL. He has 11 points this season in 26 games. Brings a lot of physicality to that bottom six. Has historically shown a lot of speed at the NHL level, but I'm not exactly sure where he's at. I haven't watched a lot of him over the past two seasons, specifically because he only played 20 games in the regular season last year. He played 20 games in the playoffs, but he was coming off of an Achilles injury, which makes it very hard to think that he's going to be at the same speed that he always has been. But still... A solid player that went out and put up 11 points in the playoffs last season in 20 games for the Florida Panthers. Eh, eh. I don't think I'm too enticed by Anthony Duclair anymore. I don't know what it is. Um, It just hasn't, I guess it's just not, excuse me, my cup of tea for the Penguins. Just not ideal, I'd say. Okay, I like the idea just because of, A, a trade at all. Just making (laughs) the moves, forcing the hands of someone to do Maybe adding Duclair also forces someone else in the lineup to do something more. Like maybe it's one of those things, but at the same time, I'm just, um, this isn't one that I totally jive with, at least in my head. I mean, when I look at him, it's a matter of what is the player that he is. Because if you look at what happened before the Achilles injury, the year before his Achilles injury, scored 31 goals for the Florida Panthers. Comes off that Achilles injury, scores nine points in the last 20 games of the season last year, still probably trying to recover. Looked good in the playoffs last year and has looked all right on a pretty bad San Jose Sharks team. They've been better as of late, but they were historically bad early in the season. So not sure what you're going to get with Anthony Duclair, but because of that, I think the price is driven down a little bit. Not to mention that he's... On an expiring deal that's worth $3 million, which is a lot more manageable than a lot of the players that are going to be on the trade market this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's manageable, but has never jived. And you're right. I think I would absolutely ride the same thing that you are that you did. It's which Anthony Duclair are you getting? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's too much of a risk, I f- would say. 
I think it is a bottom six addition. He brings a little bit of grit. Uh, that's not terrible, yeah. He brings a little bit of nastiness. I don't think he's he's going to be a top player or top six player, excuse me, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But to be a third liner, I I mean, if you're hitching your wagon to Jesse Pugliarvi, who's coming off double hip surgery, a guy in Anthony Duclair who had an Achilles injury last year before the season, that's, you know, it's a similar gamble. Uh, the, the price tag's probably a little bit more, though. The three million is probably more than anything that Paul Yarvey is going to sign if he does indeed sign with the Pittsburgh Penguins in the coming weeks. Um, the second name I have here, another forward. This one, a center. This one, a little less manageable with the cap number at $4.8 million in the final year of his contract. Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. He has 18 points, 7 goals, 11 assists in 29 games this season. Has 19-plus goals in each of the last five seasons, including a 42-goal campaign in 2021-22 for the Calgary Flames. To me, this is a this is the Tampa move. Like this is the move yeah. that hey, we know who we want. We're gonna pay a lot of money and a lot of assets to go get them. If you think you're close to being that Stanley Cup contender, Elias Lindholm's the guy you go get if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins. But is that where they're at right now? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure Kyle Dubas is quite sold on this team being one piece away. So I don't know if Elias Lindholm's really on his radar right now. But if you get to that feeling where, you know. Rust and Raquel come back and they both look really good. You know, Paul Yarvey looks good. O'Connor fits really well back in that third line. And you're saying, okay, we're one piece away. We get Elias Lindholm as a third line center. You get to do the whole bump mm-hmm. down Eller, move over a Chari shtick. If you're one move away, Elias Lindholm's probably the guy you go to get. And you probably pay a little bit to get some of that money retained, especially because it's in the last year. And I'm not sure who you send back in the other end of things, but Elias Lindholm would be a tremendous addition for the Penguins if they're able to, one, fit it, and two, if, if it makes sense at some point in the season. Not at this moment, but I think it's a name to monitor. I think that, yeah, that's a good one. I like that one a lot more. Um, you're right, sending a player back is difficult because most... Most of the players on this Penguins roster have trade clauses, mm-hmm. and almost always Canadian teams are on that just because Canada. So that would make moving a you know a reasonable trade asset to uh, the Calgary Flames a little tougher. Um, but that's a great option, I think. I'm I'd be with this one way more. Another thing too is you're right. It at the moment, going off of what David Pagnota said, which is looking to build out the third pairing in the bottom six that's almost exactly what Kyle Dubas said to the media too he said yeah. if the he said if the depth isn't working that's on him he needs to be one that goes out and finds what can work and when it came to the third pairing he's Kyle Dubas pretty much said he wants someone to take that opportunity and run with it if not he'll find someone so yeah it's pretty clear that these these are the kind of things he's looking for right now Elias Lindholm doesn't fit that mold yet but again like you said that is a name to watch down the line if if the depth wakes up and if that third pairing finds some anchors now again that's a little bit of a dream scenario because Elias Lindholm is a top six center on most if not all teams in the National Hockey League getting him to be your third line center is uh like I said it's it's the Tampa Bay move going seeing what you want getting what you want paying a king's ransom for it they did it for tanner janot last year they've done it for brandon hagel they did it for barkley goodrow at one point they did it for nick paul at one point it's the tampa bay move if you think that you're in a position to go for it go for it with the best player on the board the player that fits best for you and i think that's elias lindholm so we're both in agreement that that's a future option that's a a name Mm -hmm. to monitor but the last name on this list somebody that i think we brought up before 
a player that is not overstaying his welcome, but he's on a very, very congested blue line. That's Tony D'Angelo of the Carolina Hurricanes. The Athletic Trade Targets Board has him up there. I would say he brings another offensive option to the Penguins' blue line. Obviously, right now they have two pretty stellar defensive or offensive defensemen in Eric Carlson and Chris Letang, but he brings that terrific puck moving and a great skater on the back end. He's a very, very manageable cap hit One or on the final year of his contract at $1.675 million. I believe it was actually only a one-year contract. Yeah. Uh, double digit in goals and over 40 points in the last three full seasons he's played. And he has a little bit of nastiness to his game. Him and Victor, or Victor Ludwig, Jesus, John Ludwig. I don't know what where that came from. Him and John Ludwig make a pretty uh, compelling third pairing there. <laughs> that is. Who is Victor uh, Ludwig? I don't know. It's, I, I don't know where you pulled up. that from. Um, <clears throat> that's, a, that's an interesting one. You're right. He definitely has that scoring ability. Real curious to know if the Penguins want or are aiming for another offensive defenseman because, I mean, that's what Ty Smith is doing in the AHL right now if they really needed that uh, <clears throat> needed that option. Um, this one's just interesting, though, especially because this one fits the mold of the almost the exact gauntlet that Dubas just threw down to the third pairing of, hey, like I want someone to come in and run with this third pairing opportunity. If you guys can't do it, I'll find someone who can. Yeah. Tony D'Angelo, for better or worse, can do that. Yeah. Um. So I don't. Like, we talked about it before. This is a player that you got to separate the on ice from the off ice and and look at what he can do on the ice for the time being. Uh. And if he can help the team, he can help the team. Mm-hmm. And we'll see what Kyle Dubas would think of that. I don't. I don't know if he necessarily fits because again, we have those two offensive defenseman already are you looking for more of a shutdown excuse me more of a shutdown third pairing uh guy but you know i think he i would say he lands in the middle of the conversation here i think it does go lynn home because everyone loves a good home run swing trade Mm -hmm. then d'angelo and then duclair of these three options that you read to me yeah fair enough i i would say lynn is like i said that's probably the dream scenario i would say Anthony Duclair is probably the most realistic in my eyes. And I know he's third on your list. I yeah. I really like taking a shot on Anthony Duclair, especially if you need some depth scoring, especially if you want to be harder to play against, which Anthony Duclair has been hard to play against his entire career. By the way, quick update. Victor Ludwig is... He handles full spectrum of loan products for Latham and Watkins in New York, New York. So, sounds like he's a loan shark. Uh, so, that's... I don't know where I got that name from, but, you know, Victor... Congratulations, you got to mention on the podcast. Free promo. Way to go, bud. <laughs> free free promo for a loan shark. That's that's what we do here, uh, apparently. But, you know, Horwat, the Pittsburgh Penguins, it's only two games, but they, they've certainly gotten better results. Now, they didn't look great last night against the Montreal Canadiens, uh, but they looked a little bit better against the Arizona Coyotes. So we'll see which team shows up on Saturday against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that the Penguins have beaten in recent history. 3-2 win back on Thanksgiving weekend. So we'll see if they're able to repeat that against Toronto on hockey night in Canada. And they don't have to worry about John Tavares's 1000th point. He took care of that earlier this week on long Island, some sweet, sweet revenge for, for Johnny T after getting booed there relentlessly since he left for Toronto, but that's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time. 